Well, greetings and welcome to the Logical Belief Ministries podcast. I'm your host, Jason Mullett. You can visit our website at logicalbelief.org. You can watch these podcasts on YouTube. You can search for and subscribe to our channel there. Uh, You can also find us on iTunes. uh, Just using your favorite podcast catcher, just go ahead and search for Logical Belief. And uh, you can go ahead and subscribe to the audio feed there. Um, If you uh, want to send me a word of encouragement or you have a question that you want to have answered on the air, you can reach me from the contact page of the website uh, or just drop me a line at jason at logicalbelief.org. However, just be aware, if you do send me an email, you are permitting me to read it on the air. Alrighty, well, um, last night I had an enjoyable time uh, with uh, Andrew Rappaport and some others uh, from Striving for Eternity. He had a Google Hangout, and he was gracious enough to allow me to join in for a while. And I went ahead and linked that episode um, of his um, Google Hangout and YouTube video um, on the Logical Belief um, Facebook page. So if you want to go ahead and check that out, um, also, um, I would encourage you to go ahead and listen to Andrew's um, ministry, his uh, his podcast, and his uh, his YouTube uh, channel. Um, he has a lot of very good uh, information there on on different topics like biblical hermeneutics, and uh, also uh, he has a series, uh, academy series, on um, what different religions, what they actually believe. Uh, things like Judaism, um, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons. Um, and he stresses something that I find to be very important for us as Christians, and that is to properly represent those um, religions that, that have views different than Christianity. You know, we as Christians are called to be truthful and honest uh, because the God that we worship is the source of all truth. And so there is no reason for us, since we have the truth, that we have to caricature and misrepresent what others believe. Uh, We should be very careful um, about representing what other religions claim, what their doctrines are, what their theology is. We should be very uh, careful with that because we have the truth. And so... We don't have to misrepresent what they believe in order to cast down their arguments. Uh, With what they actually believe, uh, we can deal with that from the Christian worldview. And so uh, I would encourage those of you guys engaging in apologetics, engaging in street evangelism, and engaging in interacting with those of different faiths, that you um, be careful to properly represent them and what they believe. Um, So I want to thank Andrew for allowing me to join in with him on his Google Hangout, and I appreciate that. Um, He also sometimes hosts the Bible Thumping Wingnut podcast, which I've mentioned before, uh, the one where Matt Slick uh, from CARM.org is on every Sunday night. I would encourage you to go and listen to those two and listen to Matt Slick engage with um, atheists, Seventh-day Adventists, Jehovah's Witnesses, you know, whatever the uh, deists, whatever the, the flavor of the night is, um, see how he engages them from 
the biblical worldview and so that you can become better equipped in order to give that reason for the hope that is within you. And so I'll go ahead uh, in the show notes for this uh, episode, I will go ahead and link both of those shows, both Striving for Eternity with Andrew Rappaport and the Bible Thumping Wingnut. I will go ahead and link them so that you can go ahead and find them. And uh, if you're interested, uh, listen to those. So uh, today I'm wearing, uh, I don't know if you can see this here, but I'm wearing my Theology Matters Missional Wear t-shirt. So uh, you can check those out. Uh, A lot of times people don't know what this actually says uh, since it's in the form of an eye chart (laughs) Um, until I point it out to them. They're coming up with all kinds of weird um, weird things. Somebody thought it said something about glaucoma (laughs) or something. Um, and had to explain to them it says theology matters and theology does matter what we believe about God and uh, what we believe about the, the Bible is of utmost importance God has revealed to us truth in his special revelation the 66 books of the Bible and it's very important what we believe um, that he has revealed to us um, in fact I would I would say that every human being is a theologian uh, even an atheist, an agnostic, is a theologian. He's just a pretty bad one. But uh, everybody has a belief about God. Everybody has things they believe about the Bible, things they believe about God. Uh, whether you're a pagan or whether you're a Mormon or whether you're a Bible-believing Christian, um, all those positions you have things that you believe about God. The question would be that we all need to ask ourselves is is what we believe about God and what he has done in history and what he um, has as his plan of salvation, are those things, are those beliefs that we have, are those conformed to the revealed word of God? And so that is the question that we have to ask ourselves. So that is why theology matters, and that's why I love wearing this T-shirt. It has on the back of it the five solas. Uh, you can, uh, if you check out missionalware.com, uh, they have all kinds of uh, different um, um, sayings and different things that you can put on. You can kind of customize your own shirt, so it's uh, it's really nice. So I'd recommend you check that out. So um, today, what we're going to do is we're going to have a discussion on a topic that's been popping up um, around on Facebook and uh, the blogosphere and even in the media. Uh, And this uh, discussion is, does Islam, Judaism, and Christianity worship the same God? It's mostly been focused around discussing whether Islam worships the same God as what Christianity does. But uh, I had some interaction on my own Facebook page with an unbeliever and with another Christian. And so I thought this would be a, a good topic to have here on the podcast to make sure that you are equipped and as a Christian to answer this question properly. And so I'm going to go ahead and uh, kick off the break music here so I can get a drink of water and then we will jump into the discussion.
Alrighty, so what uh, what kind of started this off on my Facebook page was I had posted a cartoon by the Christian cartoonist Adam 4D, and I think you can check out his website, adam4d.com. He just does some fabulous work. Um, but I had posted one where he had addressed the subject of whether Islam and, uh, and Christians worship the same God. And so... <clears throat> I had uh, some responses from that, uh, one from an unbeliever who, in fact, asked me a, a really good question. Uh, so I was, uh, I was quite appreciative of that because uh, it, um, you know, it you know, makes you think when you, have to, when you get a- asked some tough questions sometimes. And so uh, I'm actually going to try to find it here real quick so I can actually... Okay, so this is what I had written. Um, the cartoon, uh, was, uh, that Adam Fordia put together, let me pull it up here, was just an interaction between two guys discussing on whether, you know, uh, Muslims and Christians worship the same God and, um, and, uh, the Christian went through, uh, what Christians believe about God and his triune nature and how the, the Muslims, uh, would disagree with that. So I had written on this, uh, which got some interaction. I, I wrote, yup, if you contradict the Bible, you're just wrong. There I said it. Let's see how that offends the postmodernist Christians. And if you want to see my episode on what I mean by that, um, go ahead. And I think it's back two episodes. I talk about how postmodernism has affected the church today. But uh, so I wrote, uh, there it is. Let's see how that offends the postmodernist Christian. The Christian God and the God of Islam are not one and the same. And if you think so, you are wrong. In fact, it is offensive to me as a Christian if you equate, if you equate the false, capricious, deceitful, and Unitarian God of Islam to the true, unchanging, truthful, and triune God of the Bible. And in fact, it, it is offensive to me. Um, if... If uh, somebody equates the God of Islam to the God of Christianity. And so I had an unbeliever who responded to that. And he actually asked a really good question. He, um, he said, so given that this side is arguing, would you consider that Christians and Jews worship the same God? And so I was putting together my answer when a friend of mine went ahead and just popped in. He's a Christian. But he popped right in and said, yeah, yeah, Christians and Jews uh, uh, do worship the same God. Um, And so I had to uh, kind of correct that, but it just made me realize that maybe this is a topic that needs to be dealt with in a little bit more in depth uh, so that uh, Christians can understand uh, what really is at stake here and the, and the truly the differences that would exist between us and uh, and Jewish people today. So my response to this was, no, Christians and Jews today do not worship the same God. God has further revealed himself in the incarnation of Jesus Christ as being triune in, in person. Jews today deny the Trinity and the deity of Christ, so therefore they do not worship the same God. And then I have a quote here from um, 1 John chapter 2, verse 23. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Um, Jews before the time of Christ, who were true believers in Yahweh, 
believed in the one true God who had not yet fully revealed himself as being a trinity of persons, even though there are types and shadows of the trinity all over the Old Testament. And then I give several references, uh, Genesis one twenty six, Genesis 19.24, etc. In fact, um, here at the end of this uh, podcast, I'm going to go over some of the types and shadows of the trinity in the Old Testament. So you might want to hang on for that. So... The doctrine of the Trinity is that there is one God, infinite in being, yet three in person. True believers in God have always worshipped him and known him to the extent he has revealed himself. Christians today that worship the true God have not yet fully realized all there is to know about God. And then I put in 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve, which tells us that now we see through the glass darkly. Um, but there will come a time when we see face to face and we will see clearly. So there is much more that we as Christians, and this is... Just one of the things we have to look forward to in eternity with God is that we can more fully be able to see in eternity the full aspects of God. And I think that is something that we're going to be enjoying and learning for eternity is to learn more about God and what he is like and understanding his being and and the triune nature of God uh, in more clear, you know, with more clarity. So uh, we have that to look forward to, and uh, that's something that I look forward to as a Christian. So uh, I continue here. Jews that do not accept the further revelation of God about who he is and his nature are not worshiping the true God. We also have Jesus in John eight twenty four in speaking to the Jews. He actually told them, I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins and what Jesus was referring to here where he said the I am he um, he was referring to the ego I me statements the I am statements of of God in Exodus chapter 3 and in Isaiah and so these were the statements that he was referring to and he was telling the Jews that they needed to believe that he was the Yahweh of the Old Testament and um, if they did not believe so that they would die in their sins uh, they would not be worshiping the one and true God who has revealed himself in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. And so I want to start off here with discussing what Islam says about God and compare that to um, Christianity and to see if Christians and Muslims uh, would would worship the same God. Now, if you would even ask a Muslim, your your more diehard Muslims are not going to say this either. So uh, they, they would definitely say that, uh, no, the God of Christianity and Islam is distinctly different. And in fact, um, I, I could even make the argument that, that Muslims that did make that equation, um, uh, many Muslims would say that they would be engaging in shirk. Um, and that is uh, uh, blasphemy against gods to actually equate them to the triune God of Scripture. Uh, in fact, uh, let me just go ahead and read some uh, excerpts here from the Quran itself and see what the Quran says about uh, the God of the Bible and in comparison to um, to Allah. So in the Quran and Surah, uh, four in the uh, 171st ayat um, or the verse 171 it says O people of the scripture 
or in some it says the book, uh, which is in reference to Jews and Christians, do not exceed the limits in your religion, nor say of Allah, aught but the truth. The Messiah, Esau, which is Jesus, um, Esau is a way of, uh, that the Quran refers to, to Jesus. The Messiah, Esau, son of Miriam, was no more than a messenger of Allah in his word. So the Quran makes the claim here that Jesus was, was just a messenger of Allah. Um, he was no more than that. B, and he was. So he's speaking here of, the Quran is saying here about uh, Allah speaking uh, Jesus into existence. So this would be uh, opposed to the Christian Orthodox view that Jesus, um, as the eternal Son of God, is an uncreated being, that he has always existed as God. And uh, so he is not a created being. Uh, which be, and he was, which he bestowed on Miriam, and a spirit, or ruah, created by him. So believe in Allah and his messengers. Say not, three, cease. Now, some <laughs> Quranic translations into English would actually say trinity, but the way that I understand it, the Arabic word that underlies this is not is not saying trinity, it's just saying three. In fact, if you actually start examining what, the author of the Quran actually believed that Christians believed about God, what he thought that Christians believed about God. Um, the author of the Quran actually believed that Christians believed in three distinct separate gods. And we'll see that as we kind of go through this here. But he says, say not three, cease. It is better for you, for Allah is the only one uh, God. So you can see right here already a fundamental misunderstanding. So he's saying, say not three, and then the argument is, for Allah is only one God. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's what we as Christians believe. We believe God is, there is only one God. We're monotheists also. We're not tritheists. We're not polytheists. Uh, we believe there is only one God. So the author of the Quran had a fundamental misunderstanding um, of what we as Christians even believe the Trinity to be. And in fact, that just refutes any sort of supernatural revelation from God as the Quran even being a supernatural revelation from, from God. Because uh, if, it, if it truly was from the creator of the universe who knows all things, uh, you know, I would hope the creator could at least properly, misrep you know, properly represent what a religion believes instead of uh, misrepresenting it. So... It uh, goes on, glory be to him, far exalted is he above having a son. To him belongs all this, all that is in the heavens and all that is on the earth. Allah is all sufficient, a disposer of affairs. Uh, we also have in the Quran, Surah 5, uh, verse 73, it says, Surely disbelievers are those who say Allah is the third of three in a trinity. Once again, a misrepresentation of um, once again, uh, in a three is in a parenthetical here. It's not actually in the original text. It's just Allah is the third of three is, is really all it says in the text here. Allah is the third of three, but there is, there is no God, none who has the right to be worshiped, but one. 
Allah. So, the <laughs> once again here, the author is saying that we believe in more than one God. Uh, so don't say that there's three gods. Instead, say there's only one God, Allah. And here they're saying that, you know, that we as Christians, as the disbelievers here, are the ones who believe that Allah is, is a third of three gods. Um, and that's not what we believe. And if they cease not from what they say, verily a painful torment will befall the disbelievers among them. Will they not repent to Allah and ask his forgiveness? For Allah is oft forgiving, most merciful. The Messiah, Esau, son of Miriam, was no more than a messenger. Many were the messengers that passed away before him. His mother, Miriam, was a sadaqwa. Uh, it means that she believed in the words of Allah and his books. Uh, they both used to eat food as any other human being, while Allah does not eat. So <laughs> notice that the author of the Quran here's argument is that the reason Mary and Jesus aren't gods is because they ate food like everyone else. Well, that's not what Christians believe. Christians don't believe that the Trinity consists of three separate gods that are Jesus, Mary, and Allah. Uh, so the argument is actually irrelevant. Look how we make the ayat, proofs and evidences, verses, lessons, signs, and revelations, clear to them. Yet look how they are diluted away from the truth. So we also have in the Quran, Surah 5, 116, and it says here, and remember when Allah will say on the day of resurrection, O Esau, son of Miriam, did you say unto men, worship me and my mother as two gods beside Allah? I mean, you can't get any more clear here. Uh, the author here clearly thinks that Christians believe that Mary, Jesus, are two ontologically separate gods from Allah uh, he will say glory to you it is not for me to say <coughs> what I have no right to say had I said such a thing you would surely have known it you know what is in my inner self though I do not know what is in yours truly you only you are the all-knower of all that is hidden and unseen so these are supposedly the words here of Isa or Jesus so <clears throat> we can see here the Quran categorically tries to deny the Trinity it makes an attempt to, even though it uh, denies something that we don't even believe. But um, so Islam does make an attempt, at least, to deny the Trinity. And so since it denies the triune nature of God, it denies the Trinity. It is therefore not worshiping the same God that um, that Christians worship. In fact, one of the other issues that I would have is that Allah, unlike um the Bible who tells us repeatedly in multiple places that God cannot lie and that he's unchanging and immutable in his nature. Um, the God of Islam is a deceiver. In fact, it actually tells us that he is the chief of deceivers. And you can find these in Surah 354, Surah 799, and Surah 830. And now, uh, what... What most of the English translations, if you actually look these up in the Quran, is they will translate um, the word deceiver here, uh, which I hope I'm pronouncing this right, but is uh, makar. Uh, they will 
they will translate that as planner and not deceiver. But if you even look up within um, an Arabic dictionary for the root of this word that's used here, you will see that the root of the word means deception. And if you look actually even in the context of these surahs, where um, it's it's talking about uh, a deceptive thing. In fact, the first one here in Surah 354, that I'm going to ahead, go ahead and read here, and they, the unbelievers, planned to deceive. Uh, now, a lot of your Qurans will just say uh, planned. Uh, it doesn't say anything about to deceive because it's using the same word. And Allah planned to deceive the unbelievers. And this says Allah is the best of deceivers. Um, but it, in all these cases here, it's using the word makar. Uh, is the root of the uh, of the Arabic word here, which means deceptive. So, yes, Allah here is making plans, but they're deceptive plans. In fact, here in, in uh, Surah 354, it's actually talking about how uh, Allah deceived uh, the crucifixion, you know, those people that, that thought they saw Jesus crucified. In fact, Allah deceived them, and... Uh, and somebody else was crucified. He just made it, uh, Allah just made it to look and appear as if it was actually Jesus on the cross when it was really not. So Islam denies the crucifixion of, of Jesus Christ too, including his deity and his resurrection. Uh, so we have also have uh, Surah 7 and 9 and says, And they are safe from Allah's deception. No one feels safe from Allah's deception except those that shall perish. So in Surah 799 here, it actually tells us that even the believing Muslims don't feel safe from Allah's makar, his deception. And no one feels safe from Allah's deception except those that shall perish. And we'll actually even see, um, I'll, I'll go ahead and quote from Abu Bakr, uh, who was the first caliph um, after um, Allah. And he was even one of them that, that Muhammad had said that was one of the uh, the ten men who Muhammad had personally guaranteed them that they would enter paradise. Um, Abu Bakr actually was was so unsure of his own salvation that uh, uh, I'll, I'll read that section. Uh, I've got an excerpt from his, uh, his book, um, Abu Bakr Has Come. Um where there's a, a statement here by him. But uh, we can see here in Surah 799 that the only ones that actually feel safe from the deception of Allah are those that are perishing, the unbelievers, the kafirs. The ones that don't believe are the ones that are the only ones that are safe from uh, Allah's deception. But those that actually believe, since they're aware of uh, Allah, is the chief of deceivers and the best of deceivers, uh, they don't feel safe from it. In uh, Surah 830, it says, And remember when the unbelievers plotted deception against you, O Muhammad, to imprison you, or kill you, or expel you, they plotted deception, but Allah also plotted deception. Allah is the best of deceivers. And if you look in that context, uh, to change it to um, Allah is the best of planners, which a lot of uh, English Qurans will do, um, it doesn't really fit the context because the context is talking about unbelievers plotting deception against Muhammad. And they plot deception, but Allah also plotted, and he is the best of planners. So <laughs> in the context, it has to be that Allah is the best of deceivers, which 
is completely antithetical to the God of Christianity, who is truth and um, and righteousness and perfection, and no uh, deception is found in him. No deceit is found in Christ. And so this is just completely different, uh, a different uh, view of God than what the Bible would have. So let's go ahead and read here what Abu Bakr, uh, like I said, the first um, caliph, and in fact Muhammad's uh, father-in-law, and some would say his best friend, uh, who was guaranteed by Muhammad himself to enter into paradise. This is what Abu Bakr actually said. Although he had such a faith, which was too great to suffice, all the inhabitants of the earth, he was afraid that his heart might go astray. So he used to utter while weeping. And this is Abu Bakr here. Would that I have been a bitten tree. Whenever he was reminded of his position in Allah's sight, he would say, By Allah, I would not rest assured and feel safe from the deception, the makar, um, limakar of Allah, even if I had one foot in paradise. So we see here Abu Bakr did not even uh, feel any sort of assurance, even though he had received it from Muhammad, that that he had any uh, absolute entrance into paradise, uh, even with one foot in, not you know, still one foot out. You know, Allah could still be deceiving him, and so he had no sort of confidence at all um, in any sort of salvation. Um, and in John eight forty four. It actually tells us Jesus here was speaking to the Jews here, and he says, And you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand um, in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So if, if Allah is the chief of deceivers, then according to the Bible, he's Satan. He's the father of lies. Because the father of lies in scripture is the devil himself. And according to the Quran, the chief of deceivers is Allah. So, uh, biblically, (laughs) the Allah of the Islamic religion is much more closely equated to Satan than actually to the God of the Bible. Um, The only historical uh, correlation between the God of the Bible and of Islam is that Islam would claim that they worship the God of Abraham and Ishmael. And now that's a claim, but um, I don't believe that Muhammad started, I think he began to get his revelations around 620 AD. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, Abraham would have been around, let me I have to think about this here, but have been around probably around 17, 1800 BC. So you're talking about about 2400 years of separation between uh, Muhammad and Ishmael and Abraham. And it's simply a claim to make that. Uh, there's no there's no historical, you know, uh, ancestral chain going from uh, Arabic-speaking people back to Ishmael, and that there was this one God. In fact, 
uh, Muhammad uh, was encountering a lot of polytheism in Mecca. I mean, Arabic um, people um, at the time of Muhammad were extremely polytheistic. They weren't monotheistic in any way. And so there wasn't this this God of Abraham and Ishmael that they had worshipped all th- all through time up into the time of um, of uh, of Muhammad. Uh, instead, you have Muhammad saying that um, that things like the Torah and the Anjil, uh, which is the Gospels and the uh, the Torah, were further were previous revelations of Allah, and um, he had he had no uh, stream of revelation outside of the Christian and the Jewish scriptures um, uh, prior to his own um, stated revelation. So uh, the the claim that uh, Allah is historically the God of Abraham and Ishmael is simply a claim, but there is no uh, true historical backing to that. Unlike uh, the Jewish uh, uh, Christians and Jews, where we can actually trace through the Bible itself all the way back to um, Abraham, uh, we we cannot do that in Islam. Now, let's let's address a little bit more thoroughly um, the the question about whether. Um, Jews worship the same God as as Christians do. Now, what I would want to make clear is that Jewish believers in the Old Testament, prior to the incarnation of Jesus Christ, that truly worship God and worship the Yahweh of the Old Testament, as he had revealed himself up to that point, um, they, they were worshiping the same God that we worship today. In fact, they would have been circumcised in their hearts by God. They would have been regenerated. So therefore, uh, those that were believers, truly believers in the Yahweh of the Bible, when Jesus Christ came and fulfilled, we see this with Anna and Simeon. These were Jewish believers. But when they actually saw um, the incarnated Christ, they believed in him. And they knew that he was the Messiah. And we see that with the other Jewish believers in the New Testament that um, guided by the Spirit of God to all truth uh, were led to believing that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, was the Mishaik, uh, was the Messiah. And they they believed that and uh, they believed God's further revelation of himself. So they were worshiping the same God that we were we worship today as Christians. So in that way, do Jews and Christians, uh, before the time of Christ, do we worship the same God? Yes, absolutely. But Jews since the time of Christ that have rejected the God of the Old Testament's further revelation of himself um, do not worship the same God that we as Christians worship. So... Modern-day Jews and Christians, uh, while we have a historical heritage that is similar, and we both hold to the Old Testament scriptures as being inspired by God, we are not worshiping the same God. Because the God of the Old Testament scripture has revealed himself to be triune in nature, in his person, 
uh, hood, and that he is he is uh, single in being in essence, and uh, his uh, his ontological being is infinite, uh, and it is shared equally um, by Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that the eternal Son of God um, came into His own creation and interacted with it directly, walked as his creation did, experienced um, life on this earth as his creation for the purpose of redeeming and saving his people from their sins. So, Jews today that reject this revelation of God are not worshiping the same God. Uh, Let's, uh, though, go and look to see uh, what we can find in the Old Testament when it comes to uh, some types and shadows of the triune nature of God in the Old Testament. And some of these are just are really interesting. One of the very first ones that you will see, and one that I don't put as much weight into, but that is of interest at least, is in Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. But the the word that is translated God here is from the Hebrew word Elohim. And words in Hebrew that end in him are plural nouns. And so while I don't put as much stock into this because the term Elohim is the generic word in Hebrew for for just God. The kind of the same way we use in, in English we use the word God. It wasn't it wasn't Elohim wasn't God's proper name, unlike what the Mormons would say. <laughs> the Mormons would call Heavenly Father Elohim as in a proper name. Um, Elohim is not a proper noun uh, and name in the Old Testament Hebrew Scriptures. It is simply a generic word for God, in the kind of the same way we in English, uh, when we refer to God, um, we uh, are typically referring to the Christian God as Christians, but uh, you could also use the term, you know, uh, the the gods of, you know, of of the Greek uh, pantheon and and so forth. So Apollyon and and uh, Zeus, you know, these were these were gods, um, and Zeus was a Greek god. But we would look at that differently, and we use the context to determine what usage we're actually using that term in. And so it's really in the same way in Hebrew, the term Elohim is used that way. But it's still a plural uh, noun. And so in the beginning, God uh, created Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. There is a sense there um, of, of possibly some sort of a plurality, since it is a plural noun. Um, However, just a little bit further down in Genesis chapter 1, we see some very direct uh, use of uh, plural personal pronouns. Uh, In Genesis 1 verse 26, it says, And then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So what I find of just um, of so much interest right here in these two verses 
is that first, God in his statement, he says, let us make man in our image. And then he goes back to using a singular pronoun. So then in verse 27, so then God created man in his own image. So we have both a singularity here, um, and we also have a plurality. So we see both aspects here in Genesis 1, verse 26 and 27. Uh, One of the most interesting um, uh, verses in the Old Testament when it comes to uh, a a very possible uh, demonstration of the multiple personal nature of God is in Genesis 19.24 when uh, Moses here is recording uh, what happened when God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And in just the previous chapter, we had seen that Abraham had uh, talked to Yahweh um, and he had spoken to him. And then it says in Genesis 19, verse 24, something very interesting. This is when when Sodom and Gomorrah was being overthrown uh, by God. And it says, uh, and I'm going to actually use uh, the term Yahweh here, uh, because when we see in the Old Testament, most of your translations will use like the term Lord in all caps. And this is, it means that what's behind that English word Lord in all caps is the tetragrammaton, the yod heh vav heh, the Yahweh. So I'll just refer to it as Yahweh in the text here that I'll read. So it says here in Genesis 19.24, Then the Yahweh rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Yahweh out of heaven. So the Yahweh that was had been walking on earth with Abraham was now raining on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Yahweh out of heaven? So, is there two Yahwehs here? <laughs> um, and in fact, I would say that uh, this is an example of the of the tripersonal nature of God. In this fact, in this case here, we would see the two persons operating um, uh, within the economy here of overthrowing uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. And we also have this repeated in Amos four eleven. Which God is speaking, God is speaking here through Amos and Amos, and he says this in Amos 4.11, I overthrew some of you as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were a brand plucked out of the burning, yet you did not return to me. So notice how God is speaking here in the first person, and then um, he switches to speaking in the third person. So... Amos 4.11, I overthrew in the first person some of you as when God, then he refers to God or Elohim here as in the third person. So we have the first person of God speaking of God in um, the third person, which is exactly what Jesus himself does when he's here on this earth. He refers to um, the Father as God, and he he speaks of him as in the third person. Um, and so we see that here in Amos 4.11. We also see in Exodus 19, verse 24, this happening again. And the Lord said to him, uh, speaking to uh, Moses here, and the Lord said to him, go down and and come up bringing Aaron with you, but do not let the priests 
and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So notice once again here, we see God speaking in the first person, but then speaking of himself in the third person. Uh, Very, very interesting. That's Exodus 19, verse 24. We also see, uh, very interestingly enough, in like Isaiah chapter 6, where um, when the the angels um, uh, speak of, of the Lord, they say, holy, holy, holy. And we see this repeated in the book of Revelation, where God is referred to as holy three times uh, by the angels. And, they, and one called out to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. This is, I believe, one of the cherubim. Um, in Isaiah's vision there in Isaiah chapter 6. Then we also even have the Shema itself. In Deuteronomy 6, 4, uh, we see three represented in the Shema itself. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Notice how we have the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. We have three represented here. Um, as one that is I, I find that to be very very interesting we also see in Jeremiah 7 verse 4 it says do not trust in in these deceptive words this um, this is the temple of the Lord the temple of the Lord the temple of the Lord and it is repeated uh, three times um, there in Jeremiah and also in Isaiah 48, verse 16, it says, Draw near to me, hear this, from the beginning I have not spoken in secret. From the time it came to be, I have been there. And now the Lord God has sent me and his spirit. So notice God speaking here. And it says here, And the Lord God has sent me and his spirit. We're seeing three people or persons. Um, I would say persons. <laughs> three persons here represented in the text itself. So we can see these types and shadows um, in the Old Testament, and there's many more, but those are, are just a few that we'll touch on here um, in this particular episode. But I um, uh, just want to uh, make sure that uh, you guys are equipped as you go out and encounter people, and people say that, uh, well, you know, um, Islam, Judaism, uh, worship the same God. Uh, it's going to help you hopefully address that uh, more clearly. Um, Islam itself would not claim that other than that they worship the God of um, Abraham and that we as Jews and Christians have misrepresented Allah and, uh, and that we say that, he, that there are three gods, um, which is uh, not what we believe as Christians. So... Um, obviously, that is not a revelation from God. So, um, alrighty. Well, uh, hopefully that was of benefit to you. Um, I am hoping the next episode, um, I'm either going to be talking about, I uh, want to talk about, uh, address pacifism, or sometimes called the doctrine of non-resistance, um, and, and, um, Christian gun ownership and things like that. I might talk about that in the next episode, or uh, we may have an episode uh, with, uh, I have a friend of mine that's going to be joining 
uh, me here in my studio, and we'll be discussing the history of uh, Anabaptism and uh, the Amish and the Mennonite churches and uh, studying some of their history, looking into some of their theology and the things that they believe and do some comparisons to that to the Word of God. Uh, I have a friend of mine who uh, is a former uh, member of the Amish and uh, myself, I come from a conservative Mennonite background and my my parents uh, come from an Amish background. So um, we want to discuss these things. So it's either going to be uh, next week's episode or the following week where we'll talk and discuss that. Um, and then uh, somewhere in there I'll probably squeeze in an episode on uh, the Christian or the biblical view of uh, things like gun ownership, self-defense, and pacifism. So hopefully all this was helpful to you. Um, hopefully you enjoyed this. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll see you guys in the next podcast, if the Lord wills. God bless. in hell.